0: Good morning. Hope you're all doing well. What a great time of worship with you guys. In case you don't know, my name is Kyle, and it's a joy to be with you. Uh, My family and I were away for a little vacation, so we missed last week, and we're really glad to be back with you today. Um, Several weeks ago, um, a baseball player returned as a hero to the city of St. Louis, and you probably know who I'm speaking about if you're a baseball fan. His name's Albert Pujols. Uh, Albert just so happened to get paid $200 million to leave St. Louis. But when he came back to St. Louis, part of another team, St. Louis Cardinal fans, who are great baseball fans, no doubt. Some of you in here are Cardinal fans. You're great baseball fans. They stood to their feet, and they celebrated him as their hero for minutes on end because their hero had come back to town. Next week we have a greater opportunity than they had in St. Louis because some real heroes are coming back to town. Got a picture coming on the screen. Uh, This is the Calloway family, Uh, Todd, Debbie, and his uh, wife, his family. uh, They've been in Cleveland, Ohio for about the last 13 years. Our church sent them out, much like we just sent out Aaron Johnson and their family. Our church sent them out uh, quite a few years ago to plant a church in the Cleveland area, and God used them to preach the gospel. Many people uh, placed their faith in Jesus, and many people are today following Jesus as a result of that. Well, Todd and his family are uh, wrapping up their time there, and they're moving back here to Benton. They're going to be with us um, here in Benton for the foreseeable future. don't know what God's got next for them, but they're going to be back. whole family's going to be back next Sunday. And I'm here to tell you, if there was ever an opportunity for us to honor some heroes, next Sunday's going to be that. So I just really think they deserve, next Sunday, a standing ovation that almost won't end. And just tell them how much we love them appreciate them. If you've never even met them before, I'm telling you, we are welcoming home some heroes. So that's happening next week week. I'm a little bit excited. Hope you are too. Give me a little something if you are like, woohoo, or something. All right, okay, good. Good. It's going to be awesome, and we look forward to welcoming them, and it's just a beautiful thing, and um, love what God has done in and through them. Well, today we are wrapping up our series in the book of First John. We've spent a total of eight weeks uh, opening up the book of First John and just kind of working through it and covering most parts of it, not every single part of it, but most parts of it. And in First John, we learned a lot of things as followers of Jesus, and one of the things that we learned is that since we're loved by Jesus, we're supposed to love others. Um, this next picture that's coming on the screen is of another family. It's of my family. Uh, we just went on vacation to Washington State, beautiful place. We had a great time, and just so you know, that wasn't really our tent with the bear in it. Um, Anyway, um, but we got to go, and listen, this picture right here, we are smiling, and we are enjoying the Pacific Coast, and a low tide, and just absolutely awesome moment. We had a bunch of pictures we got to choose from, as to which we're all standing there smiling, having a great time, looking like everything is wonderful and perfect, but there were a lot of moments in between those pictures that were really, really hard. And the call of Jesus to love one another got challenged over and over again in our lives. What am I saying? This whole love thing is beautiful, but when it comes to other people, it's hard, right? It's hard. But uh, together, we made it through, and we had a great time. We're home. I think we still love each other. Maybe we love each other more, and uh, it's good to be back. But uh, in 1 John, there's about 22 things. You can count them. You may come up with 23 or 24, but my count's like 22 Things that in the book of 1 John, John who is an old man up in his 80s or 90s writing to God's people, ultimately writing to us, speaking to us with love and affection and grace and wisdom of an old man. He tells us about 22 things that we can know for sure as followers of Jesus. Things that we can hold to and know are like a done deal, know that we can just hang our hat on. And of these 22 things that are talked about in 1 John, and we're going to see a few more of them today, there's one that we've just really focused on heavy um, in the book of 1 John. And we gave you a phrase that we hopefully, you've been able to internalize a little bit, I want to give it to you again today to process this idea, because the biggest thing that we can know is that God loves us. And so I want to give you this phrase, and it's this. God doesn't love if or because... But anyway, if you want to fill that in your notes, go for it. Uh, I got a picture a few weeks ago, somebody uh, whose mom was doing some cool stuff, obviously very gifted and talented, somehow like, put this into concrete, this phrase right here, it's really, really cool. Made my day when I saw that. But God doesn't love if or because, but anyway. In other words, God doesn't love you if you haven't sinned lately. He loves you anyway. Okay? God doesn't love you because you came to church today. God loves you anyway. So maybe, just maybe, you're in a good groove right now in life. Maybe marriage is good. Maybe family's good. Maybe work's good. Maybe your heart's good. Your mind's good. And you're like, man, Jesus is just it for me right now. And you're just kind of killing it for Jesus, right? Like you're just really doing it well right now. Listen, God doesn't love you because of that. He loves you anyway. Maybe you're in a season of life right now where you're like, I don't even know if I should have come to church this morning. I've really blown it lately. Maybe last night even wasn't a great night for you where you made foolish choices. Let me tell you something. God loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. It's a massive truth that's being declared over and over again in the story of God, and in particular in 1 John. God doesn't love if or because, but Anyway, so the big idea I want to get today, and it's going, everything's going to flow out of that, and that is this, God loves you so much. God loves you so much. You may have heard this before. It may be the first time you're hearing it in a while. Maybe it's the first time you've ever heard it in your life, but I want it to just permeate your soul this morning. God loves you so much. Even if you don't deserve it, He loves you. So, so much. So let's check out 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. If you need a Bible, there should be one in the seat in front of you. Underneath there, you can grab that. And in that black Bible, you can find us on page 1034. And we're going to be in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, page 1034. And we're going to begin again in verse 13. So John, this old man talking to people of God with affection, with love, and with the Father's heart. Here's what he says. I've written this to you, what this whole letter, that's what 1 John is, it's a letter to God's people. I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So, if that's you, if you're someone who's like, yeah, that's me, I believe in the name of the Son of God, this would be a good place to say, amen, that's me, that's right, Uh uh-huh, something right here. If you believe in the name of the Son of God, here's your chance right here. All right. okay, good. This guy over here is really excited, I like it, I like it. Here's what he goes on to say, so that you may know you have eternal life. So here's what I want you to get, verse number 13. God loves you so much, he wants to spend forever with you. He wants to be with you forever. That's your note that's there on the screen coming up and there in your notes. God loves you so much, he wants to be with you forever. Now who do you want to be with? Who do you want to hang out with? I don't know about you. I want to hang out with people I love and people that I like. And I put both those together. Are you with me? Because there's some people that maybe I love, but I don't like so much. Are you with me? (laughs) You know, like, I love you, but I don't like you. We want to hang out with people that we love and that we like. And I say that God's love is so great for you that yes he loves you and he likes you He knows everything about you all of it the good the bad and the ugly and he says i want to be with you forever so in verse number 13 he's talking about eternal life here we're talking about the life that we have in jesus a life that begins when we place our faith in christ and continues throughout this life and continues into the next life Into a place called heaven, which is a perfect place with a perfect Savior. And listen to me, with perfect people. Wait a minute. Perfect place, perfect Savior, perfect people. Sounds like some place I want to be. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. It's where I want to hang out for eternity. But you and I, we're not perfect, but we are made perfect through the love of God and through the gift of God, whose name is Jesus. And he made it very clear here to me and to you if we are going to spend eternal life with Him, if we're going to spend forever with Him, it's by believing on the name of the Son of God. It's believing that Jesus is who He said He was and that Jesus did what He said He did. Jesus was the Son of God. He left heaven, born of a virgin, lived a life completely perfect, was crucified on a cross for my sins, for your sins, came back from the dead on the third day, and He is alive today. And because of all of that, he can wash me. He can cleanse me. He can make me a child of God. He can wash you. He can cleanse you. He can make you a child of God. And if you're not a child of God by faith in Jesus and going to spend eternity in heaven, you can today if you place your faith in Christ and in Christ alone. And if you've placed your faith in Christ and in Christ alone, God wants you to know that you have eternal life. And for all of you, I want you to know God loves you so much. He wants to spend eternity with you. He wants to be with you forever. Look at verse number 14, verse number 15. Talking to believers here, and we who, people who believe in the name of Jesus, we are confident that He, God, hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. So we're now moving into God, uh, into John, talking to us about how we talk to God in prayer. So it's like, hey, if you're a believer, you can talk to God. You can pray, and you can know that when you pray, he will hear you when we ask for anything that pleases him, when we ask for things that are within his will, verse number 15. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. So we're talking about talking to God, communicating with God, praying to God knowing that God listens to us. Not like going to Santa Claus and sitting on his lap and being a good boy and getting what you want because you were a good kid, but like going to the Father who loves you and loves you anyway and speaking to him and having a conversation with him, knowing that he is going to hear us, and he is ultimately going to give us what is best for us, and he has the ability to do it. So here's what I want you to get. God loves you so much, he wants to hear from you. God loves you so much, he wants to hear from you. Um, I got a phone, just like you guys have a phone, and my wife and I were talking the other day, like, how did we function before, like, you know, cell phones, before smartphones, like, how did we how did we figure out where we were going, right, our navigation? I guess we carried maps with us, right? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Anyway, all these things we used to do before, and probably, same for you as it for me, my phone actually rings more than what I want it to, right? It just does. And there are plenty of times, it depends on where I am, what I'm doing, and what time it is as to whether or not I answer the phone. The biggest kicker is who's on the other end of the call. Unknown number, forget it. All right? Number not in my, you know, my, my contacts. Maybe, depending on what's going on and where I am, what kind of meeting now a name comes up right a name comes up and i i I know it's you right if i'm in a meeting i'm probably not taking the call um there's all kinds of reasons but if my wife's name comes up guess what i do i take the call well i want to hear from her i want to answer the call listen when you call god sees your name pop up He knows that it's you, and he's going to listen to you because he loves you that much that he's always going to give you his ear, no matter what else is going on. And there's some other big deal stuff going on in the world besides your little world, in case you didn't know that. Like, some other people have other stuff going on. They do. Like, there's other things happening besides what you got happening. And yet God says, you know what? I'm going to listen to you. He loves you that much. Why? Because you're not in a religion. You're in a relationship with Jesus. And he says, relationship says communication, communication. So he's going to listen to us. Let me give you some things about prayer that I think are um, pretty good because we can't camp out here a long time, but I want to give you a few things that are just really, really good. You want to write them down, probably a good idea. We don't call him to change his will. So when you think about prayer, you don't don't ring him up to think, you know what, I'm, I'm going to spend some time with God, I'm going to change his mind about things, and I'm going to get him to see things my way. That's not why you talk to him. We call him to discover his will. We we contact him, we communicate with him, we pray to him to figure out what he really wants because what he really wants is what's really best. Again, he's the loving father that sees everything and knows everything. You don't call him to tell him things he doesn't know. Well, I thought he had no idea. Listen, you've got to understand God knows everything, but he loves you so much he wants you to tell him anyway. You don't call him to inform him. It's like, oh, I had no idea. No, he's like, I already knew that. How many times as parents, your kids come to you, and they tell you stuff, and you already knew it, but you're like, that's so amazing. That is so incredible. That is so cool. I didn't have, you you go crazy. Why? Because they're your kid. And they just found out some information. You already knew it, but it's a big deal to them, so it's a big deal to you. Big deal to you, big deal to God. We don't call him to tell him things he doesn't want to do. Hey, God, I want you to do this rather than that. That's not the way it works. We call him, we communicate with him, we pray with him to discover his will. And I want to remind you, I want to remind you, I want to remind you, he is for you. Well, like, he didn't do what I want him to do, and I asked him, and he didn't do it. He is for you. How do I know God is for you? He sent his one and only son to die for you. That's how for you that he is. That's the best that he does give you. And that should be reminded of over and over and over again. So talk to him. He wants to hear from you. So what should I pray about? Like, okay, we're supposed to talk to God. We're supposed to pray. We get to pray. What should I talk about? Look at verse number 16. If you see, not if you hear about, not if you caught wind of, not if you heard gossip about, but if you see a Christian brother or sister sinning, in a way that does not lead to death you should post it on social media tell all your friends now what does it say you should pray not hey I heard they did this and so I'm gonna do something no I saw them do this they're in this and it's messing them up and so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go to the Father who knows what is best and could help them, I'm going to talk to the Father about them because they are stumbling in or are struggling in sin. So again, verse 16, if you see a Christian brother or sister sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray, and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death. And I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. Verse 17, All wicked saints... Excuse me, all wicked saints. That, I don't know where that came from. Those two words do not go together. I don't know what just happened. I wasn't trying to be funny or make you catch something there. I just misspoke. Verse 17. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. Now, if you just read verse 16, 17 for the first time, you're probably like, did I read that right? If you're reading it again, you've read it before, then you're probably like me, you're scratching your head. You're like, what, what, what did you say there? What does that mean? Um, What's the sin that doesn't lead to death and the sin that does lead to death? This is a theological head-scratcher. Theologians out there have a lot of different opinions and a lot of debates, and I don't know that anybody's really got the correct answer. But let me tell you what God keeps teaching me through these two verses over and over again that I can be sure of and that I think you need to get this morning, okay? Sin is a big deal, and it always, always, always brings destruction. It's a big deal, and it always brings destruction. Um, the death here we're talking about physical death, we're talking about spiritual death. Again, that's part of the debate. Um, there was a time in the book of Acts when a couple named Ananias and Sapphira, they actually told God they were going to do something, and they told their pastors they were going to do something, and then they didn't do it, and they died. They physically, like, they died. Um, at church, which is kind of scary, right? But anyway, it happened. They they lied. They lied to God, and they lied to their pastors, and, and they died. So I don't know if that's what this is talking about or not. I don't know, but here's what I know. You have friends, and I have friends. And when I say friends, let me be more particular. You have brothers and sisters in Christ, and I have brothers and sisters in Christ that I know, and I'm watching them. And I'm seeing their life right now, and they are stumbling into... Or they are struggling in sin right now. And as a result, they are slowly and or rapidly killing themselves. They are slowly and or rapidly killing their marriage. They are uh, slowly and or rapidly killing other relationships around them. And we don't want to see that devastation happen in life. So what should I do? What should you do? We should pray. And ask God to give them this life that he speaks of here in verse number 16. Asking God to do something for them that only he can do. Jesus is the only one who can get people out of sin. When I first became a pastor, I thought, man, I'm going to get everybody out of sin. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be everybody's savior. You know what I realized? I'm nobody's savior. I can't do it. I can tell you what you ought to do. I can preach it. I can be really rough and I can be really good. Only Jesus can pull you out of your sin. And it's only when you let him be the Lord of your life can he pull you out of your sin. And you've got some brothers or sisters in Christ right now that have forgotten Jesus is the Lord of their life. And they are stumbling in and struggling in sin. And you need to pray for Jesus to make himself real to them again. He may want to use you, use somebody else. But he wants to use you and or somebody else to bring them out. And so you should pray for them. Bottom line, sin is dangerous. Sin is a big deal. And we need to pray for those who are struggling in sin it. Look at verse number 18. You know what? I didn't give you the big idea there that I wanted to give you in verse 17. Put it in your notes. Here it is. God loves you so much. He wants to help those you care about. Think about that for a second. God loves you so much. He wants to help those that you care about. Isn't that really cool? You know, every now and then, like, somebody introduces you to somebody, and, like, you're just automatically friends with them because you're friends with the person that introduce them to. You know, like, if you're a friend of them, I want you to be a friend of mine kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, if there's that connection, I want this connection. Here's what God's saying. I, I love you that much. If they're your friend, they're my friend. If you care about them, I care about them. When you pray about them, I'm going to listen even more intently because you care deeply about this person. God loves you so much that he wants to help those you care about, and he has the power to help them. Look at verse number 18 now. We know that God's children, that's saved people, followers of Jesus, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. Hmm, wow. Don't make a practice of sinning. L- let me tell you something I've learned recently and is really, really helpful for me. It may help you. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 8, and 1 John chapter 5, and what are we in? Verse 18 are guardrails. If you recall, if you were here, or if you remember, or if you've ever looked at 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 8, that verse has to do with believers who have stumbled into sin, and here's what it tells them to do. It says, if you're in sin, confess your sin so that God will forgive you because He is faithful and just to forgive you. So when you do sin. When you do mess up, if you do stumble into sin, you're supposed to say, it's sin, I was wrong, God, I'm sorry. And he says, I will forgive you, okay? That's what we do if we sin. Because the verse before verse number 8, verse number 7, doesn't say if you sin, it says when you sin. In other words, I'm imperfect, you're imperfect, right? Am I the only one imperfect? Y'all could have like said something right there, just a little bit of, oh yeah, okay, Whew. All right, we're imperfect. So when we sin, we confess it. But now we've got chapter 5 and verse 18 that says, we don't practice sin. In other words, when you sin, and it ought not be every moment of every day, you go to God and you confess it, and over here, we don't make a practice of it. By practice, here's what we mean. If you practice sin, you're becoming better at your sin. If you are working and, and giving effort to get better at sin, like something is really, really out of whack in your heart right now as a believer, It's just not who he saved you to be. This idea of practice, again, is always getting better. Working on a skill or a craft. Becoming a professional. We're supposed to be followers of Jesus, not professional sinners. Okay. And so as I'm following Jesus, I'm going away from sin. When I stumble into it, I confess it. He makes me right again. I don't practice sin. Let me give you some good biblical advice when it comes to sin. Don't go to practice. What happens, coaches, when your kids don't show up to practice? You rough them up, don't you? Where were you? What's wrong with you? You're not gonna get any better? They show up to miss the second practice. Hey, kid, like forget playing time. You may get kicked off this team if you don't start showing up to practice. Listen, Satan wants you to believe that he's your coach. He wants you to think he's still got influence over you and lordship over you, and he does not. He doesn't get to tell you what you do. He doesn't get to tell you what you don't do. He wants you to think that he does, but he doesn't. And so he's feeding you this line. He's feeding you this line. Don't go, skip practice. Skip practice. As a Christian, when you sin, it ought to be awkward. Like, oh, it ought to be awkward. You ought to be finding yourself following Jesus, and this is going to happen over time, and it's a it's a process, it's not a, it's not an instantaneous... But over time, you're following Jesus, that when you did, do sin, people are like, yeah, that's out of character for them. Man, really? Like, they did that? That's not who I've known. They're a follower of Jesus. And you recognize it, and what do you do? They've prayed for you, right, like they're supposed to, and you go to Jesus, and you're like, I'm sorry, please forgive me, and according to His faithfulness, He forgives you, and you get back where you're going. We don't practice sin, We confess our sin. And so if you're going to practice, like, skip practice. Get out of practice, okay? Get out of practice. Make make yourself be out of place when it comes to, to sinning. Why, okay? Because God loves us, and he's changing us, okay? Listen to me. God loves you so much, he's changing you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he's for you. That's what he's doing in your life right now is he's working on you and changing you. Look now to verse number 18. Um, for God's son, look at the middle part of the verse. For God's son, Jesus, holds them who believers securely and the evil one cannot touch them. So the evil one can... Can, can make you think that he's still got influence over you. He can make you think he's still your Lord, but he's not. He can frighten you. He can harass you. He can threaten you, but he cannot take you. Look on to verse number 19. We know that we are the children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. So again, because God loves us, he is changing us. He loves us so much that he is changing us. Look at verse number um, 20. Verse number 20, the hero comes, and we know that the Son of God has come. I wanna pause there for just a moment at that comma and just pause there as believers, and we know that the Son of God has come. As believers, there's not, man, are we gonna get a rescuer or not? Is somebody gonna come help us or not? Is the Savior gonna show up or not? Is there going to be a Redeemer or not? God, are you going to come through or are you not? Listen, we know the Son of God has come. We know. Like, he came here and lived a life just like we lived, except for he did it perfectly And we know that they hung him on a cross and he bled there for our sin and he died there. And we know that he raised up from the grave on the third day. It's the reason why we do what we do. It's the reason why we sing the songs we sing. It's the reason why we believe the scripture that we believe. It's the reason why we follow him because he is alive. This is the foundation of all of our faith. We have a Savior who died for us, but a Savior who came back from the dead. And there's no question in our mind, like, our Rescuer has come. Our Redeemer has come. Our Savior has been here. He came for me. He came for me. Look on verse number 20. And we know that the Son of God has come, and he's given us an understanding so we can know the true God. So God gives us Jesus. And Jesus gives us this understanding of God. It's this beautiful, beautiful gift. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. God loves you so much, he wants you to know Jesus. God loves you so much, he wants you to know Jesus. Jesus is not a concept, he's a person. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And y'all hear me say this often. Listen, if the resurrection of Jesus does not motivate you, move you to follow Jesus, nothing will motivate you and move you to follow Jesus. It is all about his glorious resurrection. He died for us, but he didn't stay dead. Again, God loves you so much, he wants you to know Jesus. All right, verse 21 is where he wraps it up, and we're going to camp out here for just a minute and wrap this thing up as well. Verse 21, dear children, again, this term of affection, this old man looking at children, this old man looking at people that are behind him in years, speaking wisdom and love and grace into our lives. He says, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Some translations, maybe the one you're reading, looks like this. Dear children, keep away from idols. So if you're wondering how to wrap up your Christmas card this year with the greeting at the end, hey guys, keep away from idols. Think about it. This is how he ends it. Hey guys, I said all that, and here's what I got for you. Keep away from idols. Make sure that nothing takes God's place in your lives. Drop the mic, walk off the stage, let it sit there, right? Why would he kind of like throw this curveball at us at the end? Why all of a sudden like, hey, make sure that nothing takes God's place in your hearts? Here's what John knows. John knows that if we allow idolatry to creep into our lives, we will not experience the many incredible truths and principles that have been declared in 1 John. Idolatry jacks it all up. And Satan loves idolatry. And here's what idolatry is, okay? Idolatry is worshiping anything else besides God. Worshiping anything else besides God. And here's what I want you to get. God loves you so much, he wants to be first place in your life. Sounds kind of weird at first, doesn't it? But let me tell you a few more things as to why he deserves to be that. Well, he deserves to be first place in our life because our enemy hates us. Because sin is dangerous. Why would he deserve to be first place in our life? Because Jesus, his one and only son, laid down his life for us so that we could have connection with him. Why does he deserve to have first place in our life? Because he's forgiven us of our sin. Why does he deserve to have first place in our life? Because our lives have been changed. Why does he deserve to have first place in our life? Because he's God. And he knows this, and he's like, you desperately need me now. You need me tomorrow, and you need me in eternity, and you need what I have for you. And if you make me first place in your life, I can provide everything that you need. But you start bringing idols in, you start bringing other gods in, this whole thing's going to get messed up, and you're going to miss it. A few years ago, I got to go to Thailand uh, on a mission trip, and it was an incredible experience. And um, if you've ever been there, uh, there's certain things about Thailand that stand out. One of them are their incredible huge, beautiful, and I would even use the word glorious, temples that they have in Thailand. Just wow. Huge, tons of money poured into it, uh, gold-plated stuff, just gargantuan things, and we toured a few of those, and and you go through and you see all the the guys kind of wearing their... Their tunics, or whatever they're called, they look like sheets, and and their heads are shaved, and they're the monks that live there, and uh, they've they've given their lives to these gods, and and you go walking through, and there's all these little shrines, and there's all these candles burning, and there's all these um, handmade, carved, um, uh, created uh, little shapes of little dudes with big bellies that they're, they're bowing down to and they're worshiping. And then you leave, and after seeing all of those, tons of them in there, in there, you go and you go to somebody's house, it's in there. You go to somebody's restaurant, it's in there. And I remember coming back, and I'm like, man, this is silly. Those people are so silly. And I got back home, and I realized, you know what, we're silly too. We're silly too. Just because we don't carve it out and set it up on a little thing, we, we've got our stuff. We got our stuff so so let me get up in up in your business just a little bit this morning come up beside you just a little bit all right uh, how, how, how about some of some of this stuff right here okay you ready you ready we devote hours to things we give money to things we pay homage to things how about this one hey don't interrupt me the game is on can it wait till the commercial this is my favorite show Um. We stand in line to pay money to go to an event or to a sporting event, and we get in there, and we cheer, and we raise our hands, and we, we right, getting, getting a little too nervous for you right now. Is this uncomfortable for you? Let me pick on the guys just a little bit. Um, golf. There's some people like, that's, I mean, I mean, like time, money, energy, it's it for them. It's like, I'll go there. Fishing. I'll leave hunting alone this morning. I'll leave that alone. What did I just describe? I described uh, sporting events, and I described I described commerc- uh, TV shows, and I destri- described like uh, other events, and golf, and fishing, and we'll leave the list there. I'm going to say you inherently none of those things are bad. I'd say sports, good thing. I enjoy sports. You enjoy sports. It's all good. TV shows, some of them are good, some of them are not. But you see what I'm saying, like can be a good thing. Golf can be a good thing. Fishing can be a good thing. But here's the deal. Listen to me. When you turn a good thing into a God thing, you make it a bad thing. When you turn a good thing into a God thing, little g, into a God thing, you have created a bad thing. You've created an idol. You've created an idol. And so I want you to search your heart right now, and I want us to think about, man, what It's possibly my idol that's causing me to miss out on all these incredible things about how much God loves me and what he has for me because it's a big big deal God loves you so much he wants to be first place in your life you better figure out who your God is and if you're a Christian your God should be Christ not an idol idolatry and Christianity do not go together okay they just don't go together and John gives this because he knows how idols can creep into our lives and into our hearts, no matter what culture we live in or what time we live in. He knows this, and he's warning us, and he's speaking this into us. Let me remind you why God should be your God. Because it was he, Jesus, who died for you. It was he, Jesus, who came back from the dead for you. It was he, Jesus, who loves you so much. I'm going to say this again, and I'm praying the Spirit of God takes these mere words and pierces them into the depths of your being where you need to hear this the most this morning. Listen to me. God loves you so much. A couple next steps for you to consider this morning as we end our time. Maybe for you, it's just to thank God for loving you so much and for allowing you to know that you have eternal life through Jesus. Maybe for you, you you know that God loves you, but it's been a while since you've just paused and you said, thank you, God, for loving me. I look at my life and I realize there's a lot of me that's unlovable, and yet you love me anyway. Man, you're going to spend eternity with me? You want to do that? Like, wow thank you, thank you, thank you, and I know it's only through Jesus that, that happens, and you just need to have a moment of worship this morning like you haven't had in a long time, and maybe it needs to be private and quiet and just in the depths of your soul. It doesn't even need to be loud or, or outward. It just needs to be inward and just say, God, man, you, you are so good to me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Maybe for you this morning, as you think about how much God loves you, maybe you just haven't really received that yet. And maybe today's the day that you need to receive this love that God has for you. You need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You need to experience this eternal life-giving Savior by placing your faith in Him and allowing Him to forgive you of your sins. Man, today would be that day. We want you to know God loves you so much. Maybe your next step is this. Just to set aside my idol of, and there's a blank, And maybe some of you right now, you're like, I know what it is, but there's no way I'm filling in this blank because there's people sitting around me right now. Okay? No way, no how. All right, well, you know what it is then. Let's identify it. Let's call it what it is. Maybe you've turned a good thing into a God thing, and therefore it's a bad thing. It's an idol for you. Or maybe you're off into something that's just inherently evil. I don't know, but, like, it's your idol. Okay? Like, let's set it aside and worship Jesus alone by giving him, and there's another blank, and I don't know what that blank needs to be filled with. I don't know if it needs to be filled with, here's that idol, take it, destroy it, or God, I'm just not going to do that anymore because it's it's gotten too much of my life right now. I don't don't know what that blank needs to be filled in with, but I encourage you to set aside any idolatry that may be in your heart because if you don't, you're going to miss out on all these beautiful things that have been given to us through the book of 1 John. Idolatry will kill your joy, and it will kill your life-giving relationship with Jesus, and we want you to experience that. Let's pray.